Hello there and welcome. My name's Mike. I'm the pastor of Watch It Baptist Church. You're joining us uh, for the latest in our teaching series. This time we're in Advent and we're looking at Matthew's Gospel, chapter one, and particularly at five women that we find there. Last week we looked at Tamar and we've already said that in the fourth of our uh, four-part series we'll be looking at Mary. So at some point we have to see if we can fit two in at once and that's this week. So in a moment I'm going to be reading from Matthew 1 again, but then also from uh, the book of Joshua and from the book of Ruth. Well, let's start in prayer. Lord Jesus, we long to hear from you. We long to uh, step away from our uh, preoccupations and be fully occupied by you. Would you help us to seek your wisdom and your will as we listen? Amen. Okay, so Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 and 5, and then we'll be jumping on from there. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. So Joshua 2, 1 to 16 says this. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they'd come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch them up. But she'd actually taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us. So all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts sank and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my mother and father, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men are shorter. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, but the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return and then go on your way. And then we skip on to chapter 6, verse 24. Then they, the Israelites, burned the whole city and everything in it, but they put the silver and gold, bronze and iron into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her, because she hid the men Joshua has sent to spies to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. And then we're going to jump into Ruth chapter 1. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. 
your people will be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realised that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they'd arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she said. Call, them, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. As Matthew works through this genealogy of Jesus, he includes these two women, Rahab and Ruth. Both of them are crucial as we look at how the line of descendants works its way from Abraham through to David and then on to Jesus. Both of them are crucial in that, uh, in that journey because they end up being part of the people of God, not because they were born to it, but because they chose. And they didn't just absently choose, they sacrificially chose. They said, it matters to us so much to be part of this, that we will give up everything else that we know and that we have been, because we recognise something that's bigger. And it's not the same for both of them. So Ruth says, your God will be my God. She gives up her Moabite religious heritage in order to stay with Naomi and go to Bethlehem and become part of the story of God's people. Rahab ends up living with the Israelites as they go around uh, the promised land, which they've just arrived in. And she does this having taken a risk, a big chance, and made a big sacrifice. Her life and her family circumstances and her place in a community were all totally bound up in the city where she lived, a city that was strong and powerful, a, a local centre for power. And she gave that up because she recognised that the God of the Israelites was the God of the heavens, that he was great and powerful, and that he would be giving uh, Jericho and the land of Canaan to the Israelites. She could see the bigger picture, and so in some way could Ruth. But it wasn't easy for them. They had to step, to make big steps. They had to go an awfully long way away from what they knew. Both of them were foreigners. This is really important in the history of the people of God. So we already looked last time at how Tamar wasn't part of the people of Israel, partly because the people of Israel were at a very early stage of their development. They weren't really a nation yet. So Tamar had that about her too, but with Ruth and with Rahab, we have a slightly more developed sense of nation. The Israelites in the Rahab story have come out of slavery in Egypt, thousands of them. And they've arrived in this new place, having been in the desert for a generation. And they are arriving here as a, an established force in regional military and political life. 
So they're a big deal. Maybe not the biggest nation, but powerful because God is with them. So Rahab is a foreigner. She's also a risk taker. We saw this with Tamar last time, didn't we? She's a big risk taker. Rahab is willing to accept that two people who she's only just met will be the ones who get her priority. She will put her trust in what they're doing, why it's happening, and she will commit to their safety. She will lie for them so that they might be protected. She's also a prostitute. Now, in the last uh, in the last session, we looked at Tamar. She wasn't a prostitute, but she did dress as one. She made a step into a different life in order to uh, seek justice. For Rahab, she's genuinely a prostitute. And this is significant, again, as, as we look at what Matthew is telling us about the importance of these women in the gospel story. So when Matthew then goes on to write about Jesus' ministry, how he lived and what he did, what he will be telling us, what Matthew will be telling us, is that Jesus took time to spend with prostitutes. And on one level you say, well, of course he did, that's in his heritage. On another level you'll say, well, the outsider is a priority for him. If you're already in and established as part of the people of God, you don't need the looking after. Jesus, at one point, when he tells a story of the 99 sheep and the one that goes off and gets lost, he's like, there's such rejoicing over finding that one lost sheep. Not so much over the 99 didn't go anywhere. They were already in. Jesus really wants us to understand how precious the outside of the lost one, the foreigner, the marginalised, how precious they are to him. So Rahab, foreigner, risk taker, prostitute and God-fearer. How amazing it is when we find people who aren't already part of the people of God, but who have a vibrant commitment to who God is, even if it's not a very well-developed one. You might remember, as Paul goes on his missionary journeys, one of the groups he finds, I think at Ephesus, is a group of people who are established as a community of faith under John the Baptist's teaching. They haven't yet heard about Jesus, and he goes on to add that to their understanding, and they celebrate. With people like Rahab, the fear of God is such an important starting point for Jesus. Those who fear God, rather than believing they're already in and safe, those who fear God are to be cherished and sought out. Let's skip on to Ruth. Ruth was also a foreigner. <laughs> it becomes a real pattern, doesn't it? By the time we get to the next instalment, we'll find that it's not so much about foreigners. But at this point, this is the third out of three women for whom being a foreigner uh, is part of her identity. So Ruth is a Moabite. You may have come across uh, the idea, and we looked at Ruth earlier in the year, that the story of Ruth may have been written at about the same time as uh, the people were learning from Ezra. Ezra was very keen that um, those who, those uh, wives and the children of wives who weren't um, Israelite should be sent away from the community. And it's thought that possibly this story came out of that same time. And R Ruth's um, Moabite identity was crucial in helping balance that sense and, and recognise that God had a place among his people for those who weren't of uh, Israel descent, 
but who chose to come under um, God's community. The foreigner, also a risk taker. You might say that with Ruth, less of a risk because she was fleeing from a place of trouble and, and staying with somebody uh, who, she, who was part of her family. However, it's important to remember that Naomi was leaving a place of stability uh, or at least familiarity in order to go home. And she was a widow. So traveling, traveling as women without men, traveling without someone who's going to take responsibility for your safety and your um, you know, being fed and clothed, those are all particularly vulnerable places. And Ruth, as a Moabite, would have found better support among her own tribe by staying. She didn't. She took the risk to travel with Naomi. She's also a traveller, a pilgrim, if you like, going from one place to another where God is found. And she was a tremendous hard worker. There's a lot of trust, actually. Again, so Rahab shows a lot of trust in these two spies, and Ruth shows a lot of trust in Naomi, as Naomi then goes on to give her instructions that eventually lead to Ruth finding a husband in Boaz. And both of these women chosen to be part of Jesus' heritage. We look sometimes, don't we, at Mary and marvel at the fact that God chose her and sent that angel to tell her that she had been chosen. How amazing for her to know that God chose her to be such a key part in Jesus' story. But these two women and Tamar before them and the others uh, that we'll go on to talk about were all also chosen by God. I wonder how many of us have that same confidence that we are chosen by God and then perhaps able to feel that we can take the risks and be the pilgrims. So what do we learn from this? Well, we learn again that God is really, really uh, passionate about foreigners. We learn that Jesus' interest in those on the margins is actually completely shone through uh, in his heritage. We learn that as Matthew and Luke will show us as well, that women are a priority in Jesus' story. Luke is particularly big on naming women who were part of Jesus' life as he ministered. In this case, in Matthew, we get this lineage, this family history, as a way of helping us to understand that. We also learn that God is way more interested in those who are fighting to be part of the people of God, fighting to find a place among the people of God. He's way more interested in them than we might otherwise have realised. It's not just, yes, he cares about them too. Actually, it seems to be he makes a priority of caring for them and bringing them in. For those of us who've been in and around churches for a long time, we may, maybe that we need reminding fairly strongly a, a, you know, a big hefty elbow in the ribs reminding that the priority when it comes to God and his people is how those people make space for others rather than how they feel that they already belong. Remember again, we said before, that Matthew really is the gospel where we find the, the religious in-crowd to be um, most targeted by Jesus as a problem. And I, for one, hope that I keep an eye on myself for how I go about 
avoiding being part of a religious in crowd. The last thing I want us to do is think about how this has an impact on us. And I think there are two ways that we might do that. The first is to think about how we look at those who are on the margins, who are on the outside, the way we consider them and the way that we embrace them. I think that's important. And I think it's important to be proactive with that as well. It's not just if they turn up, how do we handle it? It's how do we go and find them? How do we go and, and include them and introduce them? So I think that's one thing. The second, though, is the example that they set in the risk taking, not so much in the being a foreigner, I'm not sure we have as much choice in that, but in the risk taking, in the pilgrimage, in the, in the traveling and in the being God fearing and hard working. What can we learn from these women and how they went about seeking to be part of God's people? We'll reflect on them maybe a bit more in the questions. But for now, let's pray. Lord, at the start of this session, we brought ourselves to you, asking that you would speak and we would hear. As we reflect on what you've been saying and what your scripture tells us, we pray that we wouldn't stop listening now. But that as we think and reflect and as we talk to one another about what lessons there are here, we would keep this thing and that you would keep nudging us. Amen. Okay, some questions from this session. Question one, what three characteristics of Ruth and Rahab would you like to follow? In what ways would you like them to be a, a, a role model for your life in following God? Question two, can you think of someone who's taken a risk as they look to pursue God, as they look to follow him and uh, be led by him? You think of someone who's done that, maybe someone you've known personally or someone you've read about. How might you follow their lead in taking risks as part of God's people? Question three, can you remember what the Pharisees were like? I don't want you to go off and try and make a whole separate second study out of this, but can you remember something of what they were like? And then can you think of a way in which you hope and try and pray that you might be not like them? That's it from me. Next time we're looking at part three in this series, and it's going to be Bathsheba. Take care. God bless. I'll see you soon.